Hello and welcome to Absolutely Fabulous. We are Papagena, a five-piece women's a cappella group, and this podcast is a bit of a peek into the minds of the singers of the group. We are Abby, Susie, Sarah, Lizzie, and another Susie. And in each podcast, we have a chat about our experience as a female vocal ensemble trying to make it in the classical music world. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Absolutely Fabulous. We are Papagena, a five-piece women's a cappella group, and this podcast is a bit of a peek into the minds of the singers of the group. We are Abby, Susie, Sarah, Lizzie, and another Susie. And in each podcast, we have a chat about our experience as a female vocal ensemble trying to make it in the classical music world. If you enjoy what you hear and want to know more, please visit our website, papagena.co.uk, or check out our social media channels at Papagena Singers. Thanks for listening. So welcome back to our third podcast. We are Papagena, I'm Susie, and we have Sarah. Hi. Abby. Hiya. Lizzie. Hello. And Susie. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about how Papagena really got started, how we went about getting our first concerts and really sort of making our mark on the industry. Um, We're also going to talk about the group and uh, we have some very interesting approaches to stage management. Uh, We're going to cover that. And we're also going to give another industry shout out to a friend of the group. Do you all remember how in the very early days when we were trying to get concerts, um, it was really mainly our friends, wasn't it, in the industry who just gave us opportunities and took a punt on us. Um, So I think the very first person was um, Bob Porter from the Brandenburg Choral Festival. And I'd worked for Bob um, preparing other concerts for his Brandenburg Choral Festival for many years. And when I suggested Papagena, he instantly said yes we'll give it a go and uh, so that was our first concert but can I remember any of the other amazing people who who gave us a go? We had a great first concert up in Glasgow with Katie Cooper um, Mm. with the Madrigals and that was quite special Um, it was the first joint concert and it really took the pressure off in some ways Um, that was quite an epic concert because I think about 50% of Papagena were quite sick <laughs> and we'd driven up for five hours in the car, got there, everyone was vocally dead, and the very first piece we sang was Surp. And within about one bar, the entire alto section had completely conked out. Yes, I <laughs> Steph Sini, who was our alto in that era, had a dreadful cold, and yet she was meant to come in on the first chord, and when she tried to make her voice work absolutely nothing happened Poor thing. so I very rashly attempted to go back <laughs> up the octave and help Steph um, but it vaguely misfired oh. so <laughs> I then decided to stop singing again and leave it to the soprano oh, yes, and, and Susie you then <laughs> decided to just jump to the end do you remember <laughs> I was completely thrown by what was going on in the alto section that I just turned two pages and started singing the Amen. <laughs> the whole piece lasted about 30 seconds, I think, didn't it? I, I, I didn't know what was happening when you, I suddenly heard you sing Amen and I thought, what is she doing? 
Um, and then oh. I thought, do you know what? That's a really good call. This piece isn't going terribly well. Yes, let's just get to the last page. And then somebody in the interval, a gentleman from the audience came up to me and said, oh, I, I'm really enjoying the programme. I particularly loved that first piece. <laughs> yeah. I, I just didn't know how to respond to him. Oh, how often uh, do things go catastrophically wrong in a concert, in your opinion? And then people, it's always the piece people go, I absolutely love that one. It's yeah. my favourite. <laughs> Shows what you can get away with. In the early days of Papagena, people are always asking us how we did get started out. Actually, that was so early days that there was only three of the current team. And then Lizzie joined a bit later. Uh, what was your first concert, Lizzie? It was in Wimbledon. That was the wonderful Michael Higgins. Yes, he invited us to do a lunchtime concert. And I think it was one of our first concerts within an established concert series. So we were so grateful for that opportunity. Um, I think in the early days we also had to take a lot of risks ourselves by just booking churches and creating the posters, taking all the financial hit and hoping that people would come along. So, I mean, to be fair, we're still doing our own promotions, aren't we? Because some of those concerts in the early days in Birmingham and Bromsgrove and Oxford where we promoted ourselves, we've now developed an audience there. So mm. it's really lovely to, for us to go back and and sing to those people. Yes, it's um, true, because yeah. we kind of tended to go for venues where we had contacts, so either our hometowns or where we knew we had a lot of friends who would come and support us. And, yeah, it's, it's, mm. those ones have really taken off. We've repeated 
concerts at almost all of them, I think, haven't we, over the years? I think it helps also that all of us have come from different parts of the country. So we've got quite a good stronghold in uh, Birmingham and Bromsgrove and places like that. Sarah's Oxford, Lizzie, you've got your amazing family down in Topsham. So we've actually got an audience down there. Mm. Abby, you're in Southampton and, and that kind of area. So it's really lovely. My parents in Topsham in Devon were absolutely amazing at sort of helping set up and get an audience. And now that audience are really desperate for us to come back to Topsham. It, it is interesting to note how we get audiences in. I mean, when we did the gig in Moseley, I remember spending a long time cycling around in the rain, sort of putting flyers in places. But then, of course, you know, you've got your social media contacts and making the effort over there. I personally felt like with that gig, it was calling and texting every single person you know that might want to come and sort of making sure that people feel personally welcome. Yes. Um, and what was lovely about that one is your link with the choir is no name as well, which is a, a choir supporting homeless people, and that we had an offer available to them, uh, sort of either free or discounted tickets, and that really was wonderful. Uh, yeah, a few of the choir members turned up, which was really lovely, and so did some of the um, people who run it. So, yeah, but it's it's just reaching out to everybody, isn't it? Mm. Well, my mum um, has been sort of prolific flyer giver uh, down in Fleet for the number of concerts we've done down there and um, the amount of time she's rung me up and said I put a flyer up in the local library and they've taken it down um, so she's got quite frustrated because mm. it is difficult to know the rules about it actually. Yeah especially in Oxford you find these yeah. big boards everywhere with all these very official looking flyers and I'm never quite sure like how one gets the flyers on the, on the big boards we tend to just make our own big boards which is much more fun. We do, and in fact, all my boards last time we did an Oxford concert were nicked. <gasps> really? Yeah. So next time we do an Oxford concert, I'm going to paint ours luminescent <laughs> yes. pink or something and write property of Papagena all over them. <laughs> I can't believe they got nicked. I Who mean, nicks you have to be a board? serious Papagena uh, fan in yeah. order to steal that. Well, indeed, indeed. I think, I think when we're talking about taking risks, probably the biggest one we took in the early days was going to Edinburgh because mm. that was a lot of money, wasn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. And a lot of work, a lot of man hours. Mm. Yes. Woman just, hours. Just woman hours, that's certainly Woman was. hours. Um, <laughs> but we went there with a dream of well a putting on a good show but a dream of trying to attract a national press review because up to then we hadn't had one um and i can't tell you how relieved i was when phew after the second performance we got a really cracking review that you you know you would have thought my mother had written it was so good um and, and we five were stars five stars and we were able to trade off that and at last show people you know we've got some national press review now it's not just our mm. friends and relatives who think this is okay <laughs> yeah. um, it meant a lot to us to get that didn't it yeah. yes yeah, yeah. And a relief <laughs> yeah. and a wonderful bonding experience for us all I think both times we've done Edinburgh it's been four days of it's, it's, it's hard work we do a lot of rushing around we do a lot of busking handing flyers out but it just becomes all part of this electric feeling that is the fringe and we were able to go out for meals and have gin and chat and it was wonderful. So it was mm. totally worth it. And also the chance to do several concerts in a row as well. So for us, artistically, it was 
really helpful, wasn't it? Mm. What do, what do people think about the busking? Did did you guys enjoy it or was it was it hard work? I loved it when it was quieter, like because we were starting to do stuff from memory the second time round. And do you remember we all went through the program and looked for the plate the um, concerts that were happening that were most most similar to our yes to what we do. And we found That's one right, in yeah. the Usher Hall. And we rushed there and we put our um, banner up and we sang, catching the audience as they went into the concert. So that was really yeah, fun. Yeah, that worked really well. Hey, hey, you, you, I love you, I love you, a lot, I love you, I love you, a whole lot. I love you, I love you, a lot, a whole lot. I love you lots and lots and lots. Susie, I bet that was quite a bonding experience for you in the group because you were relatively new. Yeah, it was it was really intense in a good way. Where was I staying? You were staying with um, my brother-in-law. <gasps> That's oh, yeah. right. Yeah, I had such a lovely time staying with them. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing that people might not realise is, you know, we don't have budgets to stay in fancy hotels when we're doing all of this. We've always had our accommodation with with friends and relatives, haven't we? We've it's mm, so lucky to yeah. know people. I can remember in the the run up to Edinburgh, both times I think, going through the massive list of press that were going to be there, trying to kind of reach out to them with our press release and our little sound files and our website and all our. Uh, publicity and then I don't know if we actually did manage to get any anyone did, did did anyone reply I don't I think a couple replied with you know nice you know thanks very much we'll 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 bear you in mind type of stuff but I'm not sure we we actually managed to translate it into an actual audience yeah this seems to be a bit of a theme is that we have written umpteen emails to agencies over the the years, you know, specifically since 2015 when we really kind of uh, launched. And I don't think we've ever had an agent come to a concert. Um, we've had some very polite emails back. Hmm. Um, we have had some feedback um, from an agent saying, um, oh, thank you very much for alerting us of your, um, you know, your group. But um, we actually do have an upper voice uh, ensemble already involved uh, in on our books, so we're not looking to take on another one. And I looked at their books, and it was uh, a cathedral choir. Um, so not which, quite the same as, as as our sound. Well, I don't think you could probably get any more contrasting to uh, close <laughs> harmony a cappella classical group and a cathedral choir. It's it's it is odd, isn't it? Because audiences don't have a problem with the range of music we offer, but. It, it does seem to be difficult for us at the moment to persuade a, an agent to even come and mm. listen to us. Um, mm. I'm sure once an agent picked up on, on the audience response that they would be really convinced mm. about mm. about what we can offer. But um, if they won't come to the concert, it's quite hard to persuade yeah. them. Why do, you, why do you think it is? Do you think it's because we do such a wide range of rep, we don't fall into a certain 
category, genre? Well, I've heard people say that, that we need to narrow down what we do and do a certain type of repertoire. Um, yes, we have. But I think that when people are dishing out this advice about how to make it, uh, I just did inverted commas with my fingers there. <laughs> For the benefit of the podcast. <laughs> um, it's always coming from a place of people wanting to be helpful. But at the end of the day, I think you have to be yourself and you have to mm. do what you really love doing. And yeah. in our case, that is actually singing a really wide range of music and doing it really mm. well. You would think that that would appeal because there are yeah. so many existing groups who are in the same kind of genre, mainly. The the market's almost flooded with them. You'd think there'd be some kind of interest in something just slightly different. Well, people don't say that to the King Singers, do they? The King Singers have a great uh, programme in that mm. they, they usually start with their sort of early music and beautiful madrigals then they go on to folk and then they, they finish with their really popular close harmony set and mm. it goes down really well. Yeah. I also wonder whether a lot of it's to do with the fact that we are a female group ensemble and so people have very much pigeonholed the idea of upper voices as a thing and they associate it with children's choirs and youth vo youth choirs and actually we are nothing like that and the amount of people that come to concerts not knowing Papagena and they leave and they say I had no idea I was going to enjoy an entire concert of women's voices and I think that's the difference it's mm. women's voices we're not upper voices yeah. Yeah. we've got for goodness sake we've got two altos who pop out bottom E's on regular <laughs> uh, occasions very 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 deep and that wide breadth of um, of sound that we've got makes us you know able to produce very very intriguing programs of different music and I don't think concert promoters um, or agents have a clue until they've actually been to a concert what they're going to mm. expect and this is why we've built up such a reputation off our own backs and our own contacts and that's that's really mm. how we've got to where we are yeah what yeah. is our range because it's quite extreme e sarah is it or f isn't it d on special occasions I'd say a C on on a very bottom special C, get in. But a bottom a bottom D is is fine. A bottom C on a good day. A, a B flat on a on a very good day in the morning. I'd say Amazing. that's a very bad day for any of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and what's your top range? Any of you sopranos? Top C probably. Yeah, C, C for me. D for Lizzie. Well, on a good day as well. That like obviously. <laughs> but yeah. I'd rather not not delve into that those uh, echelons anymore. But I can I can get down there as well. So I'd rather just stay. Yeah, Susie um, Susie V is brilliant in that she Susie you can I'm speaking like you're not here. Hello, um, <laughs> Susie V, you are brilliant because you've got such an amazing range. So you quite often go and do some amazing stuff with the altos, and then you'll soar up with the sopranos. So you're a very helpful member of the group in that respect. Versatile in many respects, <laughs> in many, many, many respects. Although sometimes I think there was a piece we were doing, um, the John Duggan over Odissima Virga, and it was straight after Subo Salcio. Mm. And it was like we were doing, and then I had to go, ah, ah. <laughs> yes. and, and the demonstration I've just, just like given on this podcast is about as disgusting as it sounded. <laughs> That's actually not true. <laughs>
Well, that's another thing that we quite often have to think about when we're programming, how low or high, how high we've been singing in the piece before and how it fits together. Yes, that's true. Yeah, and also, um, because we do quite a lot of movement in our uh, programming, we also have moments where we, we program pieces specifically that are going to do something to give the audience an auditory uh, experience um, beyond just five people standing in front of them. So we might stand around um, and we, we, we do have quite a creative approach to our stage positioning. Audience members have sometimes commented how much they enjoy it when we don't stand just in a row on the stage, that they really love the sound coming from all kinds of unexpected corners. Mm. And we quite often, we quite often um, don't even decide till the day, do we, what where we're going to go for each one, whether it's going to work or not. We sometimes have mm. to try various different options while we're rehearsing yeah because sometimes we'll have done something really which has worked really well in one venue and then acoustically we get you know we get to the next venue try the same thing and yeah. it just doesn't yeah. work it, it just falls mm. flat yeah. um so yeah it, it depends where we are I think one of my favourite pieces that we do spatially is uh, Trois Le Coeur, which is oh, yeah. absolutely mm. beautiful. We usually do this piece uh, in a circle. So when we did the Three Choirs Festival in St Mary de Crypt in Gloucester, which is a lovely church, absolutely beautiful, um, we'd be doing some singing, it's a different piece, and then we'd come to the back of the church and all stand in a circle to sing Trois Le Coeur, and it was very intimate for us and really nice for the audience to have something that was spatially different.
always find it really impressive, Lizzie, the amount of capacity that you have for not just moving places and um, doing introductions and things, but then knowing, because Lizzie gives us all the notes because you've got perfect pitch. And so humming a note as well and knowing which note to hum, because mm, sometimes yeah. we do something in a different key because mm. it works better. Yes. And I always find that incredible. And I find it also absolutely hilarious when you get it wrong, which is so rare. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> it is terrifying when you get it wrong. But was there, was there one where you went and sat down? Yeah, so in Mosley You, sort of, you went well, and sat actually. down and went, hmm. And we just sort of turned to look at you and we're like, hmm, yeah, can you come back, please? Oh, yeah, that's right. And I did it mid, I was singing and I was like, hmm, I'm supposed to be singing now. And then came back on the stage again. <laughs> Actually, we were going to talk about Jim Clements at some point today, weren't we? Uh, because Lizzie always gives me the note at the beginning of the concert when I'm opening with the Hamisher solo. Um, I remember a concert we did, which was organised by Jim Clements. Uh, we were opening with that song and I was standing at the back of the room. And because there were, it was packed and Lizzie was across from me, far away and it was quite a while since I'd last seen her I didn't have my note <laughs> and I was sort of go, mouthing over at Susie who was also standing far away from me going I haven't got a note I don't have the note <laughs> the concert was about to start and Susie I, I didn't actually know Jim Clements at this point I'd only met him for the first time that day and Susie was sort of gesticulating at me and I realised she was saying get the note from Jim so I said oh um, excuse me hello uh, <laughs> Could you give me a D, please? Another D. <laughs> he gave me this quite loud low D. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was just really helpful. Speaking of Jim, this is the point of the podcast where we pay tribute to somebody who has contributed a lot to Papagena, and we would love to thank Jim Clements, uh, who is not just um, somebody who's invited us to do a concert with him at his wonderful school, Walthamstow Hall, but also a prolific composer, arranger, and just generally amazing human being. Yeah, yeah we absolutely. Yeah. Good old Jim, because I remember the first time I met him was when he had written a piece for us in our very early days. Um, somebody in the group had asked him to write something incredibly quickly. Do you remember who it was who, who made the phone call to him? It, I think it was me because I had been working with Jim quite a lot at the time. And um, yeah, we I knew he was such an amazing arranger already. I think he'd done stuff for the King Singers. He'd done stuff for Voce's Eight. And, uh, and, and he was a mate and I thought if anyone can whip something up in, in quick time it'll be Jim and I think I gave him about sort of two three weeks or something and we decided on on, on this particular piece and then it got closer and closer to the deadline and I'm um, I, I the story goes or legend tells <laughs> that he actually whipped it up the night before wow amazing yeah what it's, a it's one of the pieces that goes down so well in our concerts especially when we work in schools it's really catchy but the arrangement is so ingenious as well because although it's a really good pop song Jim manages to make it sound like Papagena so mm. as a classical singer you don't feel daft singing it do yes, you? Yes exactly. Or, you know it's, it's very cleverly done you know that Jim really twigs how, how voices work. We should probably let the uh, listeners know what the piece is called and who it's by. Oh did we not tell them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
we've not actually said it's Katy Perry's firework and I've actually got a recording of us doing it with um, Steph Sini um, this is on our first album Nuns and Roses we could have a very quick listen yes, please. Um, to that oh, that'd be lovely I love uh, another piece that Jim arranged for us, um, Skinny Love, um, and it was in the charts at the same time as uh, as Firework, and we got two for one on this particular arrangement, and he, he did Skinny Love for us, and it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, he's written um, quite a few other pieces, so... He arranged uh, the Joni Mitchell song, River. It's a song we quite often bring out at Christmas. Lizzie's uh, the soloist. I'm the soloist, yeah. <laughs> but it's a wonderful arrangement, and that's another example it's of cool. our mm. spatial, what we do spatially. And then, of course, we commissioned him for Edinburgh Festival to write a Woman's If, the Catelyn Moran piece, which we talked about in the last podcast. And that was really his actual composition, um, which is equally incredible at... Um, mm. He's such a creative mm. man. So yep. Huge thanks to Jim. Jim. Yeah, thank oh. you, Jim. Love you, Jim. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Uh, we've been Papa Go. We hope you have enjoyed um, our little tales and uh, bits of advice. And uh, if you have enjoyed what you've heard, please share far and wide. We are at Papagena Singers. Our website is papagena.co.uk and we are on all social media channels. So thanks very much and uh, we'll see you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.